Good morning and welcome back to the Draft Nut Podcast. It's Jared Feinberg alongside Devin Jackson, and we are your hosts for today's episode of the show. Senior Bowl week is behind us, and we are now officially in draft season. It's also Super Bowl week as we prepare for Brady versus Mahomes on Sunday. I've been working on Mock Draft 2.0 the last couple days, including this morning, and I hope to have it out as soon as tomorrow morning. And I've also been working on a prospect watch list for me to start watching prospects over the next several weeks, start getting into final evaluations and whatnot. And a cool moment that happened um, on Saturday after the Senior Bowl was the opportunity to be in the Matt Rule postgame press conference. And Matt Rule answering my question, which was the final question um, for the press conference, I asked him about, you know, Who were some of the players you were most impressed with throughout the week and during the game? He mentioned guys like Texas A&M quarterback Kellen Mond, Miami pass rusher Quincy Roche, Clemson wide receiver Amari Rogers, and uh, UCF uh, safety or defensive back Richie Grant, who had to play some corner at times due to injuries. Um, And we'll talk about a lot of the stand-up guys here um, from the past week. Here in a few moments, but Devin, it's been too long, my friend. How are you doing? It's been a couple weeks since we did lasted an episode together. You went solo two weeks ago on a Thursday or a Friday episode. How are you feeling, my man? Uh, I feel pretty good, man. Uh, definitely a successful week of covering the Senior Bowl. Uh, I didn't get to go last year, so you know, being able to experience it, kind of network through Twitter. Uh, really, and, you know, get to talk with a whole bunch of different people was was pretty cool. Uh, like you said, you had a cool moment with Matt Rule. I had a couple of cool moments. You know, I was just tweeting about the Senior Bowl. And I, I mentioned Louis Riddick's name, and I got co-tweeted by him. So that was pretty cool. And then uh, the next day, I was tweeting about one of the players that uh, I, I really liked and got to interview at the Senior Bowl, Janarius Robinson. And then Pat Pete, you know, quote-tweeted me. So, you know, it was a cool week, man. Uh, definitely, you know, one for the books and makes you excited, you know, especially going to full on draft season now. You know, Senior Bowl was kind of the last event where we get to see players play live. And, you know, now it's time to, you know, start making those final evaluations and, you know, interview some players potentially and whatnot. So excited for the next couple months because, uh, you know, the next two and a half months are going to be NFL draft talk nonstop. Obviously, we got the Super Bowl on Sunday, but, you know, once that's all said and done, every team will be scouting and uh, it will be full on draft draft season mode, man. So excited about that. Um, like I said, Senior Bowl was was awesome. You know, just want to give a shout out again to Jim Nagy and that whole crew um, for, for putting on a wonderful production and allowing, you know, people that weren't able to go there down there to still be able to be a part of it and, and watch film or whatnot. So, you know, excited to, to talk more, dive more into the senior bowl, what we thought, you know, players that stood out to us and, um, you know, just talk about everything going on, going forward. Yeah. And like you shout out for Jim Nagy, big shout out to him for even getting the event going. You know, we're in the middle of a, global pandemic right now. COVID-19 is raging wild all over the country, all over the world. Even though we have seen a decrease in cases, deaths daily, you know, so it there's a there's a good sign that things are starting to get better. But we're still in the middle of a global pandemic. We're still having over 100 cases, 100,000 cases per day. So just a reminder to everyone, please stay safe, wear a mask. It's the easiest tool to help pre- prevent the spread of COVID-19, please do so. Don't do anything stupid. Don't do anything that would risk getting the virus um, to you, to your family, to your grandparents. Be safe out there. Stay safe. And shout out to Jim Nagy again for putting on an incredible event. Um, I cannot wait for the 2022 Senior Bowl, and I am Really, really hoping I get to go next year. I, I promise I'll try to be there next year, see everyone, meet everyone. It's going to be a blast next year. I know it will. Um, I'm already looking forward to 2022, and I feel like the, because I'm so excited about 2022, it's like the 2022 class better be a damn good one. 
or I'm going to be really disappointed. Um, I've, I've heard some bad reviews in terms of like how the NFL has viewed the 2022 class, um, the quarterback class at least, um, like Sam Howell, um, Keen Slovis, uh, Spencer Rattler. Like the tape wasn't really that good, but you know, I'm sorry for getting off track, but just mentioning, you know, they don't view the, the NFL currently doesn't view the 2022 class as a really good group, but I feel like there is depth from that group. Anyways, let's start, let's start talking about some of the guys we were most impressed with from Senior Bowl week, or not just the positions we were assigned, but just overall from both the American team and the national team. So Devin, I'll let you go ahead and start here. Who were you impressed with the most from the American team offensive line and just anyone from both the American team and the national team? Uh, for me, I think probably at the top of the list is uh, Deontay Smith from ECU, uh, East Carolina. Uh, he had a really phenomenal week in, in terms of, uh, you know, people were kind of worried about how he weigh in because he played at 274 pounds. Uh, but I believe he's 6'5", has, you know, really nice long arms. And he won a lot of the reps that he, you know, went up against some of the uh, very talented American defensive line. You know, uh, guys like Quincy Roche, uh, Cameron Sample, uh, guys like that had a really phenomenal week. But uh, Deontay Smith held his own, and he looked really, really good uh, throughout all the practices, I think. And, you know, he's he's someone that, you know, like I said, people worry about his weight and, and if he was going to be able to play tackle at the next level. I think he, he silenced some of that and, and showed that, you know, he has the ability to, to play at the next level, uh, and at tackle as well. So he did a lot for himself this week, this week, uh, or last week, I should say now. And, uh, you know, for someone that only played one game this season, he looked incredibly, you know, uh, active. He looked like he was in shape, you know, and he just looked overall looked like a really good player. Uh, so he was someone that really impressed me this week. Uh, another offensive lineman that impressed me this week was uh, interior offensive lineman David Moore from Grambling State. Uh, he was someone that came into the week, uh, like I said, didn't have a season uh, in, you know, the 2020 fall season. And uh, he hadn't played since, what, 2019 in the fall. So uh, for him to have a whole year off basically playing live and, able to hold his own you know he had a, a couple uh, of rough reps you know but he's still raw but he has incredible power incredible movement ability and uh, he did well for himself as well uh, he came in as a guard but he played a lot of snaps at center and he you know transitioned it seamless seamlessly you know he was able to uh, you know, stalwart some, uh, someone like Marvin Wilson on multiple occasions. Uh, he held his own against him and, and some of the other interior, uh, defensive linemen from the American team. So I was impressed with him. I, I didn't think his game went all that well, though. Unfortunately, uh, honestly, nobody on the American team, uh, offensive line played well in, in the actual game, uh, cause Jamie Newman was sacked like five times. Uh, they gave up a ton of sacks in the actual game, but, uh, those kind of the two guys that stood out to me. Uh, there were some other guys that, that had pretty solid weeks, like uh, Dan Moore Jr. from Texas A&M. He had a solid week uh, playing left tackle. Um, Trey Smith had a couple up and uh, pretty much an up and down senior boy, I would say. You know, he's someone that was majorly high coming into the week. Uh, but we can talk about some guys that disappointed us a little bit later. But uh, initially, those are the guys from the American offensive line that kind of stood out to me. Deontay Smith is someone that I mentioned as well in my notes here that really impressed me um, during the week when I was able to, you know, just go and watch some, a little bit of the offensive line tape um, if I had the chance to. Um, Smith, yeah, Smith was, Smith moved really, really well um, and stood out um, from a lot of the guys uh, from the American offensive line. Um, from my position group, which I covered, or position groups I covered, I covered wide receivers and cornerbacks. A um, few players that stood out to me were Richie Grant, Amari Rogers, those two being mentioned by Matt Rule when I asked them about who impressed them the most. Um, so I assumed those two players would be firmly on Carolina's radar come draft day. Um, Clemson wide receiver Cornell Powell, or Amari Rogers' teammate, um, 
Richie Grant's teammate, cornerback Aaron Robinson, um, Florida wide receiver Kadarius Tony, and Syracuse defensive back Ifidu Melifonwu. I think I said that name right. Um, whenever you have weird names like that, like you just don't you don't know like if you're pronouncing it right. You may say it wrong, and someone will get pissed at you, and it's like that's not how you say it. That's not how you say it. We're doing our best here, man. Just relax. But anyways, the Clemson wide receiver group um, of Rodgers and Powell, um, those were the guys I think that stood out to me the most from the American team wide receiver group. Um, I think both players will end up having long careers at the next level. Rodgers is someone that's going to be much higher on my board um, and in my receiver rankings and it's not because I'm a Clemson fan and I'm like, oh, you're being biased. You're being biased for being high on Rodgers. I just really, really, really like Rodgers' game a lot. Like, I think I'm if, assuming my thesis, you know, for my evaluation on Rodgers is that he could end up maybe somewhere with an early second round grade. You know, I haven't really dived into his tape um but, like, he flashed on tape, of course, when watching Trevor Lawrence and whatnot. And just to mention Trevor Lawrence, don't start nitpicking on this guy. We've said it multiple times. He is a great talent. He is a phenomenal talent. Don't overthink him. But anyways, I think with Rogers' skill set, he can really – be a true weapon at the next level. You know, he doesn't have that speed that you look for, like a Tyreek Hill or whatnot. And I don't remember who said it um, during one Senior Bowl practices or even during the game, but someone called Amari Rogers Tyreek-esque. And I'm like, mm, yeah, let's not compare Tyreek Hill to – or Amari Rogers to Tyreek freaking Hill, the fastest and probably one of the most incredible playmakers in the league right now. With Rodgers, you can play in both the slot and on the boundary because he he's shown that alpha mentality at the catch point, and he's shown plenty of flashes um, in that area. Good ball skills, good route runner, nice release variances, good run after the catch ability, um, and again, just a fun route runner overall. Um, great player overall. Um, he, he came back. In 2019, from a torn ACL, I think he suffered back um, in March of that year, either January or March of that year. I don't really remember, but came back from injury, fought his way back, was playing great football in the college football semifinal in the first game against Ohio State. So that that was really impressive to me. Um, And throughout this past season, he was really impressive as well. Um, Kadarius Tony was also the best wide receiver overall from both sides of the ball, I think. Like, just not, like, performance-wise, just talent-wise. I think he was just the best overall player from um, either team. You know, we, we've seen what he can do on tape. He's excellent in, with short area quickness. He's a great route runner. Um Incredible change of direction, and he he's got the speed to burn defenses, and you can use him as a gadget player if you want. He he reminds me a lot of Curtis Samuel, but he's what we see Curtis Samuel as right now, in my opinion. Fun route runner, attention to detail with his route running ability. He knows exactly when to break, when to cut into his routes, when to break off his route, you know? It, he is so good in that area and also with run after the catch ability. He had a bad day in terms of drops on day two. Um, you know, and I tweeted out some tweets of like him burning DBs and, but not him making the catch. And guys were like, Oh, he's going to be bad in the NFL. He's going to, have to deal with all these drops. He's John Ross 2.0. Hey man, he had one bad day of practice and I don't remember seeing him dropping a lot of passes. Um, when playing, when he was at Florida this past season, he, he was pretty solid with the football in his hands and also catching the ball. Really soft, good, solid hands. Um, just had a bad day 
at Senior It happens. It's not going to ruin his draft stock. Teams aren't going to be like, oh, dropping a bunch of passes in day two of Senior Bowl practice. He's going to drop off big boards uh, real quick. He's going to drop to the fourth round now. No, no. He He's a great playmaker in space. He's got great hands. You can use him as a true weapon on offense. Richie Grant and Aaron Robinson, moving on to them, the UCF DBs, really helped their draft stock um, in practice and in the game. Grant played both corner and nickel um, due to injury um, and made some great plays in coverage during, um, during 11-on-11s on Thursday, showing good discipline and great quickness in space. Uh, Robinson was really sticky in man coverage and showed off his size and length that would get the Seahawks drooling. Um, Obi Melifonwu's brother, um, Ifedu, I think that's how you say his first name. Um, super impressive, and I think he really boosted his draft stock into the first round during the week. And it's a little hint for my mock draft, my next mock draft. Keep an eye out. You may see his name there. You never know. He's got great quickness and fluid. Melifonwu has great quickness and fluidity for his size and length, and I just can't wait to get into his game film, hopefully this week or the next. I almost forgot about Shai Smith. The Shai Smith, South Carolina wide receiver, really impressive throughout the, throughout the week. Great during practice. He was a dog at the catch point, makes some, some of the best catches of the week, um, looked good after the catch, good route runner, good hands. Um, just really, really impressive. So, um, you know, try to see, look through my notes here. So enough with the DBs, enough with the receivers. Let's move on to some of the other players from the American team, not just the wide receivers and DBs, but uh, some of the other players like linebackers. Defensive linemen, offensive linemen, quarterbacks, or whatnot. Jabril Cox really impressed me um, throughout practicing, even during the game. He really showed good athleticism and instincts at the second level. Um, Cameron Sample, the defensive lineman out of Tulane, um, despite some raw, raw power at the point of attack. And he was a nightmare for the national team during the game on Saturday. Um, and, of course, uh, Deontay Smith uh, from East Carolina really stood out. Um, weigh-ins were kind of a concern. He blew that out of the water. Um, he really, he, he was really impressive throughout the week. Um, and of course couldn't really play during the senior bowl game. Um, I'll throw out a few names from the national team and I know some of these guys are going to start shooting up draft boards. Um, Western Michigan wide receiver, uh, Dwayne Eskridge. Um, Tyler Fornes is really high on him, our colleague from um, Blue Chip Scouting. Um, North Carolina running back Michael Carter, the teammate of North Carolina running back Javante Williams, the best running back duo in the country. Now moving on to the NFL, that's going to be fun to watch their tape, and I'm expecting to watch their tape hopefully this afternoon um, after I work a little bit on my mock draft. Um, Washington cornerback Keith Taylor was really impressive, showed good length, size, um, good press ability, good man coverage and all. It, it, he was really impressive during the game. Um, Minnesota quarterback Benjamin St. Just, um, really impressive as well. I really didn't hear much of his name, um, except, uh, from my guy Jermaine, uh, Jeremiah Bogan, um, from NFL Draft Bible. He mentioned, um, St. Just throughout um, the last few weeks or so before the game, and I think throughout the season as well. Um, so shout out to my guy, Jeremiah, um, from NFL Draft Bible for putting my eyes on St. Just, and I'll definitely be watching his tape here soon. And also probably one of the best prospects of the entire Senior Bowl was North, North Dakota State um, offensive tackle Dylan Radunez, of course, showing off that great um, – Great ability, pass protection, run ability, uh, run blocking ability. Um, really boosted his draft stock this week, and, you know, he's got a chance of being a first-round draft pick. Um, sadly, he is not in my first-round mock draft um, for tomorrow. Hopefully I get it out by tomorrow. 
but you you should expect Radunez to be in my mock drafts moving forward. Just a really, really fun prospect to watch. So, Devin, now that we've moved on some, from some of the players we were pretty impressed with from the Senior Bowl, who were some guys that you really weren't impressed with from this past week? I know Deontay Brown is probably someone on your list. Am I correct? Yeah, he's at the top of my list in terms of uh, people that uh, had a really not not so great week. And, you know, kind of prefacing this, you know, coming into the Senior Bowl, you know, unless people watched him exclusively, I don't think a lot of people realize how much of his game is not predicated on moving in space, right? Um, anyone that's gotten a chance to watch him before the Senior Bowl, prior to the Senior Bowl, knew that he has some limitations, and one of that being moving laterally. You know, it's not it's not his strong suit. He's more of a power guy. You know, downhill. Uh, he can pull. You know, down blocks, pancake people. He can do all of that. But the thing with the Senior Bowl is that you're put in a lot of different positions, right? So you're gonna go one on one. You're gonna have uh, times where you know, defenders take inside moves and, and set you up for inside and outside moves. And we saw a lot of that happen. So, you know, I kind of want to preface that before I, you know, go on this, this kind of not long, but, you know, talk about why he was disappointing. I don't think it was that that disappointed me. It was just the fact that he just didn't seem to respond well to the coaching, you know, and it just seemed like, you know, when he lost the rep, he had his head down, stuff like that. And, you know, in the game, it kind of encapsulated his week, but he was going out on the screen and he got beat by backside linemen like Drake Jackson threw a guy and then still got out in front of him. And, you know, he had backside guards and tackles still getting out in front of him. So that's going to be a concern. He's really a scheme fit at the next level. you got to have a lot of power, you know, a lot of uh, even zone blocking at times, too. Um trap plays, uh, pull plays, all all that is kind of his strengths. But when you're asking him to, you know, go out on screens and whatnot, it's not his strong suit. So I think he's probably going to have to lose some weight at the next level. Uh, I just don't think he's uh, playable on every down at 364. And I think he's, he probably could lose 20, 30 pounds, and, and it will make a, a difference for his game. So he was disappointing just kind of from the fact of that because, like I said, we knew that he was going to have limitations, but it just got magnified down at the Senior Bowl. So that was, that was what kind of disappointed me. Another kind of offensive lineman that disappointed me, uh, Alex Leatherwood didn't have as great of a week as I thought he would. Um, you know, he really struggled with Quincy Roche, you know, as a kind of a speed rusher, uh, someone that can convert uh, speed to power. Uh, he had a really tough time to uh, defend that move specifically because uh, my guy, like I said earlier, Janarius Robinson, he was able to get Leatherwood a few times, uh, Quincy Roche as well. So it wasn't a great week for Alabama offensive lineman, in my, in my opinion. I think Leatherwood still, um, you know, he still will have, you know, kind of a, a chance to be a left tackle, a starting left tackle potentially at the next level, but he's really going to have to be better with his footwork, hand placement, and uh, understanding uh, leverage. You know, a lot of NFL rushers, they convert speed to power almost every play, you know, on pass rush moves. So he, he has to be become better with his anchor, and I think in time it will happen. And he's a, still a really good player. In the run game, he's phenomenal. Him and Trey Smith on the left side of the American offensive line created some huge holes uh, every single day in practice for the American team. But that was one of my concerns with him as well. So he had a down week. And then moving on from the American team, another player uh, that I thought was going to have a big, big week but really disappointed was Shaka Tony from Penn State. Uh, he you know, came in at 239, so extremely under underweight for an edge rusher uh he had like one or two good pass reps uh, where he dropped in coverage but in general he was very ineffective in one-on-ones and in the team period he made maybe a few a handful of plays throughout the week but for someone that i thought could maybe go day two at some point with his incredible bend and speed off the edge 
uh, it was just a disappointing performance from him uh, down at the senior bowl. So I saw there was a stat that he was like the third highest rated player at the defensive player at the senior bowl, but I just didn't see it from a down to down basis. Um, and it, it just disappointed me. So he was someone that I was high on coming into the week, but he, he definitely under-delivered, under-delivered. And then last name that I'll throw out there, um, someone that struggled, in my opinion, is Sage Surratt, uh, the receiver out of Wake Forest. We knew that he had struggles separating, but like I said, things get magnified out at the Senior Bowl. And he had a really tough time separating from uh, the, the DBs all week long. And then he suffered an injury in the latter part of the week, so we really didn't get to see him in game action either. So, you know, it was, it was disappointing for him, you know, really throughout the latter of the week. You know, he had a strong start to the week, but like I said, you know, him not being able to separate almost every ball thrown to him had to be contested, you know, not going to bode well for, you know, a, a player that, you know, predicates on making those contested catches. Like, that's a good trait to have, but, you know, his value is really starting to, I think, sink a little bit. And he's getting lost in some of these uh, separators in the class. You got Amari Rogers, uh, Jalen Darden, who I like, you know, kind of those mid-round guys, Elijah Moore. Players like that, they can separate and, and create separation. But with Surratt, you know, he you're going to get someone that can make, all the catches, but is he someone that you can depend on to get separation on a third and six, third and seven? I don't know. So he was someone I think who needed a, a bigger week, uh, but he didn't, you know, and then I guess I have one more name since I'm on the Wake Forest train. Jamie Newman was someone that didn't have a, a great week either. Um, just too many mistakes. The, the thing about him is he has the arm talent. You know, he has the athletic athletic ability, but it's just putting it all together. And his decision-making, especially when he's under pressure, uh, is, is not great. So I think he's still probably late day two, maybe early day three pick. And teams are going to pick him as a project. You know, he's a he's a project player. Uh, last time we saw him on the field, it, it was an up-and-down season. You know, his Clemson tape was probably one of the worst games I've seen, probably in one of the quarterback positions in general because he just couldn't get the ball down the field he threw it late under pressure and you know some of that is due to the Wake Forest offense but at the same time again you know on Saturday's game he got sacked five times so those are some guys that I think you know kind of overarching not just on the American offensive line but in general I think struggled this week and and definitely could have had a better week yeah and Deontay Deontay Brown was the name you mentioned um, or we mentioned um, a few moments ago. And I, I I feel like Brown put on a little bit too much weight. I think if he had lost a little bit more weight, I think it, it was rumored he was around 330, um, around that area. I did not expect him to be 30, 37 more pounds. You know, he was 367 during the week. That and he, he, it looked like he had a lot of weight on him, and I think, I think if he gets down there and weights, I think he goes back to that three thirty, drops thirty pounds, maybe, maybe even forty pounds. If he gets to that three three twenty three thirty, I think he would be a little. I think he would be a little bit better. He would have done a little bit better overall during the week, but you can tell he was just slow. He was lethargic. He. And like you say, he didn't really respond well to coaching. Um, you know, that that's going to hurt his stock um, a good bit. Um, and especially with you've got all 32 teams at the Senior Bowl. Like, that, that's not good. That's not good, especially if you need someone that can just maul guys and really just make an impact from both the, um, both the line scrimmage to the second level. Like, that... That's not good. That's not good at all. Um, Jamie Newman was someone you mentioned, um, and I was going to mention him as well. Um, Newman, there is, Panther fans have a little bit of some bias towards Newman because he's from Wake Forest. He's um, close to Carolina. You know, like he could, if, if he showed, if he had a good week, could have been a potential target, you know, and they, like, they, or round three, round four, 
um, and later on, but Newman, Newman struggled and that, that still shows he's still a developmental prospect, but his, like you said, his, his weaknesses got magnified, um, during the week because like it was just him and three other quarterbacks and you got the whole NFL draft community watching. You got all 32 teams watching as well. Didn't respond well to pressure, but yet the thing that will light that will just be like, wow, that's incredible, is his arm talent. We've all known he's got a good arm. We and we have to wonder, like, what what if he decided not to opt out, how would he look with Georgia, you know, with the weapons there, with the offensive line there? You know, it may not have been as it probably would have been the same, maybe slightly better, but you know, this is Jamie Newman that we know, you know, we we saw this in the Wake Forest tape from 2019. We saw it from then. It, it doesn't look like a different player. It looks like the same player we saw. So really nothing changed there. That's kind of disappointing. We were hoping we'd see more. Um, I want to mention another player that impressed me the most. Um, Callum Mond, uh, Matt Rule mentioned him when I asked him about players that impressed him. Um, Kellen Mond, you know, he's got to be more consistent on a down-to-down basis. But, man, like, during during the game on um, on Saturday, he, he looked good, especially in that third quarter when he was trying to lead um, the, the American team back from being down um, a couple of possessions. Um, really good arm. He can sling it. He can move if he needs to. Um, and he, he threw some. Ropes, man. He threw some good balls. Then, of course, he started getting a little bit more inconsistent at times during those drives. But, you know, he led the team downfield. And I think he really put his name up there. And it's like, hey, if you want a quarterback that you can develop and maybe become a starter down the road, potentially, Kalamon could be that guy. He just needs to be more consistent on down-to-down basis. I think a little bit of that is from inconsistent mechanics and footwork as well as, you know, uh, his vision of the field. You know, it's been inconsistent in times throughout the season, throughout the last few seasons. He's kind of been stagnant um, of sorts. But, you know, when when he is on his A game, he looks incredible, man. Um, it, it's, that's just part of a raw, really raw quarterback. You know, you'll get your bright spots. You'll get your really low spots. Of um, a player's game like that. So Mon was someone that really impressed me the most from that game. Um, looking through the list of players from the American team, um, just the roster overall, um, trying to see if anyone else really impressed me. Um, Quentin Morris, um, Bowling Green tight end, really impressed me during the game on uh, on Saturday. Um, I, I had a great time. Just like wow, you get this you get this guy on a team. Let him develop a little bit. Wow, he he could be something good. He could be something good. Yeah. I, I was really impressed with Morris. Yeah, let me chime in real quick on Morris. Yeah, he was one of my guys uh, in this class, this draft class. Um, and I think because he played for Bowling Green, he was certainly underutilized in terms of uh, just his athletic ability because he has a basketball background. And you know, the NFL really likes those kind of former basketball players at tight end. And he kind of fits that bill, uh, has the athletic ability. Uh, like you said, he needs some development. Um, he can refine his route running, certainly, and just become a more consistent blocker on a down-to-down basis. But uh, if you're looking for, like, a tight end to, you know, someone that can, you know, kind of work over the middle of the field and, and create some mismatches, I think he would be someone that, you know, you could pick probably day three, um, probably like early fourth, fifth round in you know, develop him and, and become someone that, you know, is a much better pro than he was college player. Because if you look at the stats, you're going to be like, oh, OK, why is this guy here? But then he flashed that athletic ability right at the end of the game where he caught the ball, got a 35 yard gain, hurdled someone. So uh, he was someone that. That's <laughs> Yeah. So uh, he is someone that impressed me over the week. And I think, you know, like I say, he's going to be a much better pro than than. um uh, college player. And then I'll add, of course, probably everyone's favorite player this week was uh, Quinn Miners, uh, the Wisconsin Whitewater uh, 
inside offensive lineman. Uh, pretty sure he played guard uh, during his time with, with Wisconsin White Water, but he saw a lot of time time at center. So he, he probably is like one of those center guard uh, type players, hybrid players. But he was he was uh, pancaking people, man. He definitely left an impression, I think, on both coaching staffs. Uh, he was begging uh, Brian Flores to play in the game on Saturday, which is insane with a broken finger. So it's just impressive to see, you know, another, yet another uh, D- uh, Division three offensive lineman uh, play well in, in the senior bowl week. That's a big old boy. That's a big old gun he's got. <laughs> that He's stout. He is stout, man. Uh, I, I, and, you know, if we're able to even get any access to his tape, I, I will be looking forward to that tape. Um, but I think when it comes to his evaluation, I'll prob I'll probably have to use the senior bowl tape because like we're probably not going to get much of his tape from 2019 either way. We can try and see if we can get it, but I, I don't know if that's going to be really anything possible. Devin, I know you had some prospects that you um, have watched other than the guys you, um, you watched throughout the week last week at the senior bowl. Um, I know you were watching uh, James Wiggins. You were doing his evaluation on him, and also uh, C.J. Um, Marble. If I, that's his last name, yeah, Marable. C.J. Marble from um, uh, Coastal Carolina, the running back. So we'll talk, um, talk about them a little bit. And I want to also just quickly mention uh, the Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff trade here, um, here at the end of the podcast. But go ahead and talk about uh, Wiggins and Marble. Tell me what you thought about them. Yeah, so James Wiggins is someone that I initially viewed early in January uh, because I thought he was going to be someone that was down at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he accepted his invite and whatnot, but I don't think he ended up going. I think he was still kind of recovering because he had a injury that kept him out of the, the Georgia game, um, the Georgia Bowl game. So I think he's probably recovering from his injury, preparing for the NFL draft, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but James Wiggins, uh, kind of a nutshell uh, he is a, a flying missile, man. He's someone that has an incredible range in, in terms of sideline, sideline ability. Uh, he was named on uh, Bruce Feldman's freak list um, prior to this season and over the last two seasons as well. Uh, and, you know, Bruce Feldman cites that he has incredible play strength. And, you know, he is clocked in at a 4-4-4, 40-yard dash, uh, has a 37-inch vertical leap. Um, and he squats insane amount. I think his squat is like 720 pounds. So that alone just kind of encapsulate kind of the physical specimen he is as a player. And the biggest thing with me is though with him is that he missed 2019 with a torn ACL. He tore two days prior before the UCLA season opener in 2019. So he came back this year. Uh, and what I know is was he's a very instinctual player. Uh, he plays downhill. Uh, from his safety positions. And in terms of versatility, he's played all over. He plays in the box, single high, too high. Uh, he played as a slot corner as well. So he brings kind of that, not necessarily Swiss army knife, but he brings versatility to a defense. And I think that will help him at the next level, get him on the field. Um, and, you know, although he played a lot of his snaps, he played a lot of single high, uh, in, in too high. I think he's best as someone that's near the line of scrimmage and working 15 yards and in. And I think it's because he kind of doesn't have that, you know, uh, he has a ball hawking mentality, but when he's at single high, his reaction timing is a little bit slow. So it takes him some time to get over top on vertical routes. Um, and, and it takes him some time to react to, uh, deep corners and posts and whatnot. So that's that was one of my negatives with watching him is that he plays much better near the box, like within that 15, 10 to 15 yard range of the box where he isn't on an island way out, you know, uh, playing center field, but he's someone that's near the line of scrimmage. He can break on those short routes, like out slants, um, you know, hitch routes. You know, there's a couple plays I saw in film where he, has incredible click and close ability. And those are usually with routes 10 yards and in. And, you know, he has the ability to go, to cover tight ends as well from his safety position and from the slot. Uh, and 
he has a tough time at times dealing with speed out on the perimeter. I think he could be a little bit better in terms of tackling and, and taking better angles. Uh, but in general, I really like him as a player. I think he's someone that probably goes in that third or fourth round range. And I think his medicals are going to be important because, like I say, he missed all of 2019 with a knee injury. And then also he missed uh, some time this year with a right arm injury and some other injuries as well. So he's a little has a little bit of an injury history. But in terms of talent, uh, I would have him probably as a top uh, seven or eight safety in this draft class, uh, maybe even higher once I stack up the rest of kind of the safety class. Um, and he, he brings you, like I said, a ton of versatility. Uh, he has some serious pop behind his pass. He'll light you up, you know, coming across the middle or, and he's great in run support. That's something I forgot to mention as well. Um, he's someone that is a, a good player to have additional player. He's like having like a much faster, more athletic linebacker because he can come in and uh, make those tackles. He has a size uh, to, you know, be physical at the point of attack. So I think for him, his role at the next level is going to vary. I don't think he's going to be just straight up a safety. I think he's going to be kind of a nickel slash kind of in the box defender, you know, kind of mulling around the line of scrimmage. Someone that's more of a chess piece more than someone that's going to straight up play just one position at the next level. But uh, I was impressed with him. So I, I think, like I said, a third or fourth round range, and it really depends on those medicals. But uh, in terms of a, being a great player, he's definitely up there as one of my favorites in this class in terms of just raw athleticism. Um, he, he makes a, a lot of athletic plays on tape. Uh, there was a play against Memphis where he uh, came on a delayed blitz, uh, forced a fumble, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's kind of honey badger esque, you know, in, in terms of going after the ball. So I think, you know, he's going to be a really good player. Special teams contributor for sure. I think he's going to find some ability on that as well. Um, but I, I liked him and liked his tape. And then, uh, quickly with CJ Marable. Um, he's a very stout running back, uh, someone that has great contact balance, can read holes, uh, at his best running zone plays. Um, and, and finding those seams, those crevices uh, at the line of scrimmage. He provides some uh, ability out of the backfield as well, catching the ball. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those that James White type of player where he's not exactly the fastest or the strongest, but he gets yards when he has the ball in his hands. So uh, just some quick notes on that. I'll probably be finalizing him later on, probably in the process, because I just want to take an initial look uh, kind of at him and, and what he brings to the table. But uh, James Wiggins and, and C.J. Marable are two guys that uh, I'm going to uh, really like in this draft class. I'm not going to, you know, put them too high or too low. I think they'll probably be in the same range. I think Marable probably be fourth, fifth round range uh, for running backs. But, you know, both are really good players, and I was excited watching their film for sure. Wiggins, from what you described, kind of reminds me a little bit of Eric Reed, like just of how like he plays closer. He prefers playing closer in the box. He's more physical when playing in the box. Um, like he, he'll show some ability um, in coverage, you know, in the flats. Um, and like if you're playing um, two safety looks. Um, but if you put Reed in man-to-man coverage, single high, like he, he's not going to do well. And that that kind of reminds me a little bit of um, Wiggins. Reminds me a little bit of Eric Reed from when I saw him in Carolina. You know, like just the way he played and whatnot. Um, you know, Panther fans were like, "Oh, he's such trash." But they, I don't think Carolina was really utilizing him as they should have. Um, they played him a lot in coverage, and that really didn't turn out great. But when he was playing in the box, he looked great. Um, so, you know, that I, I can't wait to watch Wiggins. Um, I'll definitely let you know um, how I think of Wiggins when I get to his tape. Um, but I, I still got to get through a lot of the top well-known prospects throughout this draft class first before I really start going into some of the more lesser-known names. One thing we need to talk about. Um, and mentioned this a few moments ago is um, before we end the show is the Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff trade. And my quick thoughts on this is it's a win for both teams. You know, Stafford is going to a uh, now playoff contender. The Rams have a legitimate quarterback that can really take them places that they need them to. 
Um, I Goff really held them back offensively, and now Stafford is with a team that is probably better than any team he's been a part of, honestly. Um, great weapons, um, good running back in the backfield, um, good scheme, good coaching staff. Um, you know, it, it's a good fit for him. And for Goff, going to the Lions, he will fit – Anthony Anthony Lynn's um, offense really well because you, you'll see a lot of shot plays. You'll see a lot of vertical plays. And Goff, I think, thrives on that. He thrives in the vertical passing game. Um, but, like, if you get him off his game, he's just not going to look great. But it's going to be really interesting to see how Goff does in Detroit while they go through a little rebuild. And Goff kind of becomes a little bit of – the bridge quarterback for whoever they draft in the future. Um, and I think with Goff now in Detroit, that kind of takes them out of the quarterback conversation in the first round, which kind of helps Carolina a little bit. But again, like it, basically the Lions and the Rams basically swap big contracts. You know, Lions got rid of Stafford's contract but took on Goff's contract. Rams got rid of Goff's contract, took on Stafford's contract. So it's kind of a win-win for both teams, or it, it is a win-win for both teams. Rams, of course, won't have a first-round pick until 2024. They hate first-round draft picks. It is confirmed. First-round draft picks are overrated. Trade all of them out, you know, start drafting in the second round. We'll go from there. Basically what the Rams are thinking. But, you know, it, it – Fans have, and fans and other draft analysts have said this. It, it is kind of a crap shoot with the first round of draft picks, you know? Like, you don't know what you're getting. Sometimes you do, and sometimes, like, you know, it's a no-brainer. This guy's going to be good, and they do turn out good. And sometimes, you know, guys just don't turn out well. It is what it is. That's part of the NFL draft. That's part of the process. That's just how – that's the risk you're going to take with the first round pick. And also, I mean, that's a risk for every draft pick, you know? Um, you you don't know what you're getting until they're on the field and doing it. Um, but, you know, I, I really like this trade for Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff. I think it's good for both parties that they get a fresh start, new places, and hopefully they can succeed in those new places, especially Stafford. He deserves to have a Super Bowl, and hopefully, and he's got plenty of years left in the tank, I think he will, at least in one of these years, lead the Rams to a Super Bowl. That's my prediction. So quick thoughts on that, and then we'll go ahead and end the podcast. Yeah, so for me, I think for this trade to be a win for the Rams, they have to win at least one Super Bowl, right? Um, because, you know, you can say that first-round picks don't matter, and that's fine. You know, some of them don't, but at the end of the day, it's about team building, right? And if you're waging first round picks on these quarterbacks and they don't work out, you know, that's that says a lot about, you know, kind of how you're running the team, because then you're waging your future on the hopes that this quarterback will uh, lead you to, you know, Super Bowl. So I really hope for Stafford's sake that he at least has a chance to play for a Super Bowl let alone win one, um, I think, because at the very least, he deserves that. And this Rams team is built, you know, for immediate success now, you know, because they're going to have some things come up over the next couple of years with contracts and figuring out stuff. I mean, they're already letting it go some of their pieces already, uh, like Josh Reynolds and some other guys I saw uh, that were key contributors to their team this year. So they're already at that process where, you know, while the cap doesn't seem to matter to most teams, you still have to be able to put, you know, players around him that will help him be successful. So they're still replacing their defensive coordinator and a number of assistant coaches on their staff. So there's no guarantee that their defense will play as good as they did last year. Because with uh, Brandon Staley, he really helped minimize their struggles because he was such a great defensive mind. So now you bring someone in someone new who may not have that same type of talent. So I only worry about the Rams and the fact that, you know, they look good this year, probably overachieved by a lot of people's standards uh, by even making it in the playoffs. But to sustain that success, you're really going to make some moves, uh, 
you know, in the draft and in free agency. Because they still got some holds on the defense. Their offensive line needs some work as well. Andrew Whitworth is not going to get any younger. I know he play, he came back and played in the playoff game, but you know, he can only play at that level for so long. We know that players tend to drop off a cliff when they get in that late 30. So I worry about that as well. And then for the Lions, you just hope that they make good decisions over the next couple of years, uh, in terms of contracts, in terms of drafting players. Um, and, Technically, they still could draft a quarterback, but they it does not a big need now because they can at least have a couple years. And if they decide to take a quarterback, they have time to develop him. You know, they don't have to throw him into the fire immediately as well. So the Lions have some things to think about. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. But this is going to be a trade that we'll have to look back in three or four years to figure out who really won the trade. Because on paper, it looks like the Lions may have won the trade with all the picks they got and garnered. But. You still have to take on Goff's contract, and they still get a draft well. So we'll see what happens. And it's a good thing for the Lions because, you know, if they're drafting, like, if they have a low pick next year, they have – or, like, a high pick next year, you know, they're picking – I don't know. They end up becoming the first overall pick. Let's just say that. And, you know, Sam Howell or Spencer Rattler, they have good years, and they're in a spot to draft a quarterback. Or they're picking where they are again right now next year. You know, they have the draft picks to trade up. They do. They have the capital to make a trade up for a top quarterback in 2022 or in 2023. So they're in a good spot in terms of helping build their roster. Um, I don't know what their cap situation is going, what their cap situation is going to be over the next couple of years. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, how the roster is shaped up, um, and also like you, you gotta see what, um, or how Jeff Okuda develops. You know, he, he struggled in his rookie year. Um, so we'll have to see what happens with him in year two, but I, I think it's a win-win for both sides, but with the Lions really edging out, um, the Rams in this one, this trade, um, just because of getting draft picks, um, getting first round draft picks in the future. Um, and also getting a quarterback like Jared Goff, who flashes greatness at times, but is um, who has been inconsistent um, throughout the last couple of years. Um, so hopefully, I'm hoping the best for Goff. I'm hoping the best for the Lions. They deserve better. The fan base deserves better. And I hope one day in my lifetime um, they end up winning a Super Bowl. I really hope so. I they. That franchise deserves it for as much as that city has gone through. They deserve to have a championship. Alrighty, guys, that is the end of today's podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you guys have a great day. Stay safe out there. Please wear a mask and peace out. Take care, y'all.